0: Hey, hello everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. I am your host here. Just about every week we release some type of uh, content. Most of that is 12-step recovery based. Uh, I also explore other avenues and, uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to, uh, to, to to get rid of the vices and the various things that are in your life that, uh, that are holding you back from uh, getting everything that you deserve. And uh, I explore those avenues as well. Um, so tune in, we've had everything from recovery from divorce to nicotine cessation, to just a couple of guys sitting, talking like we're around a campfire, uh, let's talk about a book real quick, 12 Step spiritual recovery. That is a, uh, book about the 12 steps that's formatted for anyone who would like to maybe utilize these tools. It is not your typical, uh, uh, it's geared towards people who, who are, who do not fall into the typical 12 step fellowships. So uh, there's a book. It's 12 Step Spiritual Recovery by James Christopher Cohn. We have weekly support meetings. As a matter of fact, I will be going to one of those at two o'clock this afternoon. And uh, we have those on both uh, via Zoom and live here in the Louisville area. Uh, if you want any information about that, the book is on Amazon. And you can contact me here at the at the, at the podcast, com or .org. Excuse me. And what's the last thing? Oh, yeah. I want to give Darren some props. I always want to make sure I mention that he's the one that gives me, he's the artist for the music I play around the podcast and, uh, and I thank you for that. So today's guess what, uh, now and again, if y'all heard once in a while, guests seem to f- fall out of the sky most of the time uh sometimes they don't and that's kind of the way life goes sometimes i got to push harder and and then other times sometimes you're just in the groove man it feels like life is just taking you right down the stream and then you're you're where you need to be doing what you need to be doing and sometimes you got to stop and look around and see see what you what kind of corrections you need to do or whatever and uh and so now and again i throw these podcasts uh, requests out onto generally Facebook and uh, and I always get quite a few responses from it and uh, joined a new group just not long ago and tossed my name in the pile and uh, that's how I found my guest today Lynn, Lynn Wadsworth um uh, i'm going to be completely honest and say i know very little about her at the moment but i hope that's going to change over the next little bit and uh you know i get here and do these things and have this uh, it just it's it's weird sometimes to uh to put yourself out here with these with these shows and um but, but there's a like a collateral uh Benefit thing of, I I feel like by the time we get done with the show, I've got a new friend. Um, I love to connect with people. I had no idea that's what I was really, that was one of my goals when I was drinking and drugging really was, was the connection with the people. Uh, problem was, uh, things kept going bad for me and it went bad for the people I was hanging around with. And, uh, and there's a line in the, in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, that says that, uh, he will help you create the fellowship you crave. And, uh, I found that to be true as I continue to, uh, get, uh, in contact and, and, and learn more and more about, uh, the people of this world. How are you doing today, Lynn?
1: doing great thank you here in sunny florida
0: i was getting ready to ask where you were at yeah well uh you should be fairly a little long uh, along the path with your all springtime by now uh
1: we're really not this has been kind of a cold winter and we've still been so last week we were down in the 30s and it's kind of been on and off a very unusual spring and Although I'm from England and may be used to that weather, I've been here in Florida so, so long that I don't appreciate that cold one bit.
0: Yeah, you came to Florida on purpose, probably.
1: I did, my (laughs) husband was um, stationed in England with the Air Force and we met.
0: Ah, that's pretty cool. How long ago was that?
1: Uh, Oh my gosh, 50 years.
0: Yeah, really, wow, wow. Uh, So you were born in England?
1: i was born and raised Yep, into a wonderful family i was very lucky very blessed to have the great family i had and actually was very much a mama's girl and had never been much of anywhere and met my husband and nobody could believe i would have come to the states because that was a huge i didn't realize how huge a change that would be Luckily for me, 16 months in, we got stationed in England again for four more years. So it mm-hmm. kind of helped me. Um, and now I have to say I'm so Americanized. I would never want to go back and live in England, yeah. love to visit, but yeah, I believe I'm a true Floridian now because these cold weather days just don't suit me.
0: Yeah, well, uh, one thing I have been noticing is that uh, as uh, time passes, I'm a lot less cold tolerant than uh, yeah. than I used to be. We had a little we're, we were this I, I'm near Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, and one of the things I like about this latitude is that we do get a good chunk chunk of all four seasons, you know, and and I like a little snow. It's okay yeah. with me. Uh, it's it's pretty and uh and it brings back some childhood fun memories and stuff you know that uh but spring has been you know one day one day last week it was 80 and then another day you know we're dipping down into the 30s again and that messes with my internal thermostat you know yeah. i can't get warm and i can't get cold and uh i can't figure out how much blankets to have on the bed and <laughs> so uh what um uh, it just like a walkthrough. What was childhood like growing up in England?
1: Very, very different from here. And of course, I grew up in the era of children should be seen and not heard. And typical British at that time. And I know it's changed, but you don't express your feelings about things, you know, emotions. I remember one time um, a piece of asbestos fell on my head. And I was crying, obviously. And my dad came out and told me off because I was crying and he yanked me into the house. And then when he pulled his hand away, my his hand was full of blood. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it that was kind of typical for British people because you just don't show the emotions. As I say, I know that's changed, but that was the era that I was brought up with. So really stiff upper lip, and that was the way that we were raised. So that kind of kind of creates that environment of when these things happen how do you deal with your feelings and your emotions because you've not been taught to deal with those emotions
0: right yeah yeah so. we get trained to not you know and and that's then you know you say it's changed in a way but you know you still there's elements of it of where you yeah. know some somebody has a little kid and a little kid is upset about something you know and and it's you know hush up straighten up right, you know? right. I, I, I think that's more because of the parent than the kid they're uh they're afraid of what their image looks like if their kid is crying yeah. and it makes them look yeah. bad uh, but i still i feel the same thing and i have we talk a lot in our uh, circles about this training we get when we're young kids and we're not allowed to like well, you know, uh, like I, if I if I'm too happy, it's not okay, you know, and I'm not allowed to cry either, you know, and because big boys, you know, big boys big don't boys cry. Don't, Come right. on, suck it up, blah 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 And we get this training like that, you know, and bottle it up, and then like one day we're adults and and, and we're meeting other human beings, and we don't know how to <laughs> how to be able to express ourselves honestly and vulnerably. Right,
1: right. That, that's been a big struggle for me being able to really express myself and then coming to the states because our sense of humor in england is so very different to to here and my husband does not like sarcasm and it it hurts his feelings yeah. and uh so really our cultures are very different and we had some very funny times but very um tough times when you think we speak the same language getting used to to one another because things are so the phrasing the just the way that we say and do things is very different
0: yeah communication is just way deeper than the words that are coming out you know and uh, and and i i can I can find myself falling uh, uh, guilty to believe in somebody's look. You know, I've had people in my life that remind me of the things that have happened to me in the past. And I see somebody that subconsciously reminds me of that thing back there. And I just won't like them immediately won't like this person uh, and and don't know why until the last few years. Really, The uh, you know, some awakening has happened and I can start Mm -hmm. working past that prejudice that i have um you know I, it's like puppies it's like pavlov's dogs kind of thing you know yeah yeah uh, the, the bell rings and my mouth waters and i can't help it and i don't know why uh until well for me until i started doing some work on myself and started you know doing uh some of this you know uh, self, personal development type stuff uh I, I didn't know i really and i would have fought you if you would told me you know otherwise too because i you we we really um I generally will reject anything you say about me that I don't like, right? So if it's mm-hmm. something that's a little, uh, a little bit of criticism or something or you, uh, something that goes against my belief systems, uh, I'm real quick to shut down. Uh, not anymore, you know, That's, the, but I still see it.
1: I, I still have a, a problem when people tell me I, I'm going to give you some constructive criticism because to me, constructive criticism is still criticism and so it's very hard not to take it personally and go back to those old feelings of oh my gosh that hurt my feelings and so i'll shut down
0: yeah 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 you know in 12-step recovery i have what we call a sponsor and uh you know he's one that i I, I owe him a lot and what has developed is a relationship that um because i don't really see me that well Right. I can't really see myself, but I got a guy who kind of keeps an eye on me in a sense, you know, and we're friends. And we've, and I've, and I've learned that I, most importantly, that I can trust him, Mm -hmm. that, that he's safe with anything I need to say or do or whatever. But now and again, he will uh, put, he says that too. Sometimes he's going to put his sponsor hat on and, and I, and I I feel my body brace just like when I was a little kid and I knew I was going to get in trouble. You know uh i can i can feel that tension in me And you know but I, you know i can rationalize that you know this dude is really looking out for me he's not he's not gonna come at me with something that's harmful uh and and i didn't i have a great my mom and dad were married till if they'd made if mom had let me lived another year they'd have made it to 50. and uh and i can't come I mean, Mom. my mom had a pill issue that was it, it was interesting. She was a professional. She was a, uh, a, a nursing instructor. She ran the, the nursing program at a local college. Uh, but she needed to get, she had some stuff happen and she needed to get on those opiates, you know, or whatever you want to say, I don't know that you really needed to, but that's what happened. And a dependence happened more than what I it's, it, it didn't, it didn't show up like an addiction. You know, but it was a dependence on him uh, and I'm still kind of coming to terms with exactly, you know, where that's at, because uh, I'll tell you, I had great parents, you know, they really were. I had everything I wanted or everything I needed and most of what I wanted, you know, and they were good people. And my dad modeled a I point I'm kind of do this because my dad lives with me today. My 84 year old father lives with me. And uh, when mom passed away and a year or so went by, uh, we talked to the ground and I have some space at my house. And, and I and I love it. I love that he lives here with me and he seems to love it, too. Uh, but he modeled what to me, the way a man ought to operate in life, you know, the dim- the way he demonstrated his devotion and love for my mother. Uh how he helps his friends do things when they need help. And how he he's just, if you go around town, everybody'll say he's a great guy. And he really is. But it didn't stop me from going the direction I went. You know, I still I still veered off the modeling of my parents, of uh, specifically my male parent, uh it has a big impact on me today. And and I wonder to some extent if it wasn't a rebellious thing that I've Went away from what he was doing, uh, rather than follow uh, his lead. And I'm just talking about that because of the uh, what I'm getting at is this uh, this conditioning and this training we get as we grow up uh, impacts people differently. You know, sometimes you sometimes you play follow the leader, and and sometimes you you go 180 degrees away from that. Ooh.
1: So I can talk a little bit about dependence because that's kind of where my whole thing was. And, and I have a kind of addictive personality. So for many, many years, it was it was alcohol. And when I first came to the States and I was so lonely, I didn't know anybody. Um, I would spend my days when the kids were in school drinking and, because that made me feel better. But then when we moved to Florida years ago, um, I started with migraines when I was 21, but really didn't have a really, really bad issue until we moved to Florida and something here in the weather. And still to this day, at my age, I'm past menopause. And most, most people at that stage, their migraines go away. Mine haven't. But probably about 10 years ago, um, it all came to a head for me because my migraines became daily. So bless our doctors over here, they don't like to prescribe migraine meds because they only allow you nine a month. Mine were daily, that didn't help. But they'll give you narcotics, opioids, whatever you want to call them. So I think it it becomes an addiction and it's a dependence. And I mean, my family hated it and I'd be popping these pills and I would think nothing of it. But the funny thing is when you get dependent on them, as as you know, with alcohol, the more you, the more you do it, the less effect it has on your body. And so So you really want, right. You definitely do. And with migraines, what happens is you take the pill and it brings about what they call a rebound effect. So the more you, have of it, the more you need to have because the pill itself will start, start to bring on a headache, which was where I found myself where, you know, daily was just misery for me. And just that dependence upon those pills. And I'll tell you how much and it's the same with alcohol. It absolutely scared me to think that I couldn't have a pill if I my bottle was getting low, I was absolutely desperate. yeah the anxiety and And then i'd have people in the medical profession that had um their own leftover (laughs) opiates that would say i've got some here you go
0: here you need some i got some extras
1: yeah and you know i mean it's prolific here in the u.s and probably many parts of the world that it's not helping our Drug situation, and although it's not drugs and, and alcohol, it's the same mentality. It affects the same cells in our brain that causes that addiction. So, whereas you might have seen your mum with a dependence, it's still that same chemical reaction going on. Where there's that need for that that pill or that drink or those drugs or whatever it is so although my husband kind of thinks i'm funny because i was the same way with alcohol i may not have drunk continually all day long but i have the mentality of having an addictive personality so i had a dependence on it which in my mind still kind of makes me an alcoholic and had to be careful when I stop drinking alcohol, if if I go back, how will I react to it? It's the same now if I've had surgery and they give me um, the same kind of narcotics, it's still this feeling of how am I going to do? I know that I'll be in a lot of pain. I'm, I'm not like a person who would go into a hospital and say, no, I'm addicted to drugs and I'm not I just can't have anything at all. Mm -hmm. I'm not brave like that. But they definitely had to monitor me um, and certainly not refill because I've always been up front with them. I have an addiction problem with these kind of drugs, so be careful what you give me
0: yeah in florida particularly uh i'd heard was uh a, was a a big pill mill kind of state for a while were you involved at that when that you know because they no, kind of clamped I down mean, we were that.
1: we were here but um i was very lucky because my doctor always um kept me within the parameters of yeah, what okay. he felt was okay but then again as i said i got outside sources that yeah, and right, if i yeah. could get it i'd grab it and i would hoard them yeah
0: um yeah yeah um i know that you know i knew people who would drive to florida back in those days because of the you know because a whole lot of doctors got were not ethical they were not doing Mm -hmm. what they were supposed to do like you were saying uh and you know it's a it's uh it's illegal as all get out to give somebody your spare medications uh Right. right wrong or indifferent that's that's the way it is um we say two things or, you know, in, in 12 steps, you know, as far as this dependence type addiction kind of thing, you know, and if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I think I might have a problem with my drinking, you know, people will do that quite often. And, and I always ask two questions. One of the first one is, have you tried to stop and couldn't, have you honestly tried to stop and you can't. And uh, once you put, once you have a drink or some, do you see, tend to do more than you meant to, you know, overuse, you know, I'm only going to have two beers tonight and uh, and mm-hmm. end up at 12 at the end of the night. Um, I see that rebound effect that, that uh, I see that in everybody that uses those opiate medications and a lot of people, not everybody, just a great deal. I won't be that broad that I, everybody, but that you could be taking them for a legitimate reason and for me like it was lower back pain mm-hmm. i have a i have lower back pain i have some things going on i had a compound fracture in my right leg my tibia when i was a kid and uh you know now x-rays show my hips are shifted a little bit my mm-hmm. right leg is a little bit shorter and you know and my body was strong enough to uh, to compensate for that uh until i got into my 40s or so and that little there's a little kick in my lower those s uh vertebrae that's pinching a nerve. And so it was legitimate, uh, that I have that, that I have that pain. Um, the thing was is like when I got to where I needed those pills or whatever, the pain was way worse when I didn't have them. It, then, then right. I think it's almost a phantom thing. You yes. sort of rebound. It's, I don't know. It's not, I don't today. I don't believe that pain was worse is real. I think this up here, whatever that chemistry that gets, that switches, flips some switches when you get used to that medication uh, was more or less uh, tricking me into getting more of it. You know, the pain is worse than ever. And, uh, you, and I see that cause I work with a lot of people as we're trying to get off of, uh, the, that kind of medication, uh, that the initial period when you're trying to quit, uh, the pain is worth whatever pain they have is worse yes. than ever. Yes one of the that that curve that you make when you stop something like that 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 first 90 days or so whatever it is is different for lots of people uh frankly it's hell yeah Uh, yeah but but there is sunshine on the other side of it like right now i can feel my back from yesterday and doing all that flooring work uh but you know it's 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 nowhere near debilitating and uh and and i know well i'll tell you what's helped me more than anything else in that area is a pro yoga practice Mm uh that strengthening my core helps that body helps my body compensate for that little problem i have well how did your uh so so you started when did you start drinking
1: Well, it's a funny thing in England. Um, The philosophy over there was, of course, we were allowed to drink at age 18 in a pub, but you could go into a pub with an adult at age 16. And if your parents said it was okay, you could drink. Mm -hmm. And so my parents never wanted us to they were the same with smoking as they were with with drinking. If you're going to do it, we'd rather you do it around us. So I probably started drinking when I was 14. Um, not, not really heavy, but, you know, parties and stuff, family affairs. But when I met my husband, um, the military life is very different and it was made up of a lot of parties and, but for the grace of God, I mean, sometimes we should not have been here. Um, we would go out, we would party, we would be drunk. We would drive. We even did it when the kids were little and we'd go out to our friends' houses and how we ever got home had had to have been divine intervention. And that carried on for years and years. When, when the kids were little and we lived in England, not so much because I started going to church more regularly with people. Mm-hmm. And um, they they didn't drink as much as we did. And so it kind of slowed me down quite a bit. But see, then when I went back to the States again, and I would got no support system, that was all I had left again. But once I got a strong support system in place, I was able to to really get more of a handle on it, yeah. So you know, I the support that you get—twelve steps, church, God—where you find your your strength is really very powerful.
0: Yeah, it really is. Where did you? Was church your main support system? Is that? Yes,
1: it yeah. was. They yeah. kept me very much accountable. But then when we came back here to Florida and the migraine started, I actually. um well, we were in a good church, but it was a big church and I didn't have the support system because I didn't talk about things like that because it became the drug thing with with the opioids. And that was something that I just didn't talk about. So the weirdest place where I got my help was actually a big hospital here in Florida. Um, They have a headache clinic. And when I got there, it kind of meshed with the time I'd gone back to college to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to try to get my health back to where it needed to be. And it was all holistic. And at the same time, um, the program they had, and it was a rehab clinic for for migraine sufferers, I didn't know, but it was totally holistic. Mm. So although they did get me off the drugs with methadone to begin with, once that kind of tapered it off, what they did was they taught us the steps of how to live a life. Well, I'd already got God as my support system, and a support system in the church. So it um, taught me what I've tried to teach others, because it's, it's a practice, whether you're trying to increase your health so that you get rid of some of your disease if you've got migraines it teaches preventative ways now i haven't ventured out into the alcohol thing because that's a totally different thing and i think that people really need something like a good 12-step program or church support system for help with that but i mean i couldn't have got off the the drugs without the help of the hospital and without the help in the beginning of the methadone Um, because as you say, when you're getting off something like that, the pain is so intense. So I could not have gone. I had done it in the past. I've been with other migraine doctors who made me go cold Turkey. Mm-hmm. And all I can tell you is I was like four days in the bed in absolute hell in, in pain that never stopped. Yeah. Um, when I got to the point that I was at, I knew I couldn't do it that way. So I did not know what I was going into in this clinic. I'm just very happy because they gave us the support system and the support system afterwards that we needed until we were walking on the right path. There was no follow-up after that, Mm -hmm. but you know, I got my support actually from my family, they were wonderful and, um, my friends and, because I I did kind of open up to people about it because I think if you keep it inside and that you've got nobody to talk to, you're opening yourself up to walking that same path because there were many times where I would have given anything to have had a Vicodin or some other kind of opioid or something because you lose your happy pill. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You just don't realize how you depend on that to make you happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've been, Teasing around with an idea, and I don't know that I'll ever really do it. But of these lies that we tell each other, you're we the lies we tell ourselves when we're in that, you know, one of them is I'll never be able to have fun again, you know, right? You, you can't imagine whether if you're drinking, drug, and whatever combination of both, uh, a future without it looks very bleak, and uh, you yeah, know, that's Absolutely. that's a lie, that's not the truth, yeah. Uh, I used
1: to feel because I'm very introverted. So if we were going to a party, I I would always take a Vicodin before I went. And then of course, I would have a drink when I got there. So that was the only way that I could appear like I was having fun.
0: Yeah. That social lubricant effect of that stuff, you know, and that's, I know, uh, that's a big part of how I, why I started drinking was that it, you know, the, the little cliche, you know, once I had a, once I had a little in me, you know, I could ask the girl to dance or, you know, and, and I could like, I never felt like I was safe to, to be me in, uh, community type of affairs whether if it was on basketball right. teams or just right. in school I just never felt safe I don't know what that is why but once I found the chemicals uh boom I could hey yeah now I can be me and 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 talk to the guys and and be funny and cut up and do all that and that's another thing about like relearning to do life later on of uh you know the fact of the matter is I didn't know who me was. It had gotten buried and, yeah. and maybe it never even really hardly had a chance to develop. Cause I started drinking when i was drinking and using fairly regularly when I was 14 uh, and never really looked back. And it was, it was uh you know normalized too to some extent, because everybody's drinking beer, right? Uh right. You know, and and mom and dad drank a little. They didn't drink alcoholically or anything like that, but they, you know, it was around and so did all the aunts and uncles and everything. So it 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 you know, there was something inside telling me I was doing more than most people. Uh that little tap on the shoulder just about every time i walked into some situation it ended up and that's something i've learned to rely upon today right that intuition that we all have uh that you know i can i can visualize that the day those guys invited me to come have some beer i could remember it's just like dan you really shouldn't do that but I went anyway. And when first time anybody offered me some new drug, there was that little nudge in there that I overrode that I ignored that said, you probably ought to not do that, but I did it. You know, I, I still put, I I did it anyway today. I can walk and, and actually, and I believe that's God in me uh, giving me the messages. And, and if I'm tuned in, I can use those uh, uh, nudges, very well pretty good today i know when i'm on the right track and i know what i shouldn't be doing and it's, it's kind of a little bit like a fundamental right and wrong thing in a way but the other thing is is uh you know being able to feel people's energy and know almost to the point like when somebody reaches out to me for a podcast i can tell in just a minute if i really want to or not mm. and, I, and i follow that today you know i I finally i listen to that intuition so did uh you know it, it's fun, it, I hear in some things and you know, I'm kind of losing track. The one thing that caught me was the holistic approach to this stuff. Yes. Uh, and and you also said something about nutrition from a holistic standpoint. Right. Uh, is that what you do today?
1: It is. So I'm a holistic health and wellness practitioner. And um, so I, I also all my life was a yo-yo dieter. And so this holistic approach has helped me build a healthy lifestyle. So the great thing about living a holistic lifestyle is it doesn't mean that you have to diet. It doesn't mean, you know, if, if some of your listeners still or and are able to have a glass of wine, it, you know, it doesn't preclude that if you are addicted to sweets, like I was, as I say, I've got an addictive personality, it's all the same brain chemicals. Um, you don't have to give it up you can still enjoy some things however i'm going to tell you that if i, if I have some chocolate i'm not going to stop eating it and That's it was the same, thing, same yeah. yeah same thing without more than i meant to yes yes very same thing and people don't always see it that way but um it's all because of our brain chemistry so i teach people step-by-step healthy lifestyle habits that they can use for their entire lives um, to stay healthy because by the time i'd finished with abusing my body not just with alcohol and, and narcotics but the f- the foods i was eating and i was um, our, our family history is is one that's not great with heart disease and mm. cholesterol and blood pressure so by the time all of this was happening, I got high blood pressure, my um, triglycerides were up to 550, which is like stroke level, um, very high cholesterol, the migraines. I never felt well, I could go to work and fall asleep at my desk at three o'clock. So when I changed my lifestyle habits, it changed my life. I've got energy now. I don't diet, but I stay at a healthy body weight. Um, I did for a while get off my cholesterol meds and my blood pressure meds. But as I've gotten older, because I have a proclivity in my family for these heart issues, um, some of this started again. Um, but I still, I am, I am healthy. People around me get sick during the winter. My immune system is strong. I've got a, a great immune system. And I think that that just really helps us with our longevity with the way that we feel as we age. Um, I'm not going to say those feelings of Oh, I'd love a drink or Oh, I'd love a piece of chocolate go away. But you have to choose for yourself. Can I have one drink? Can I have one dessert? What's it going to do to me in the long run? For yeah. me, all of those keep me <laughs> rolling down the hill that I don't want to get on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sugar might be the original drug. Probably. Uh, you know, from being little kids and you see them yeah. and it's still a thing. You know, don't let him have too much sugar. He'll be crazy. You know, he'll get wild. You in parenting circles and uh it's like uh we it's it 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 be, it started telling us that when we used a certain substance we felt good. Yes. You know, so and
1: it sometimes is comfort because I remember. So Fridays, mm -hmm. my dad got paid and he always gave us pocket money and we always went over to the corner store and bought chocolate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's like alcohol. So you had a bad day, you came home and you had a drink. It's that source of comfort. And you you chase after that comfort, whatever the drug of choice is.
0: Yep. 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 It's definitely, uh, there's a soothing effect and, uh, and, and, and that's, I believe that's fairly rampant. I, I was, I always think I'm lucky in some ways. Uh, and one of the ways I was lucky is like when I first started getting sober, I had met a gal who was uh, a compulsive eater and, uh, you know, uh, my brain wants to say that's different. You don't understand my problem. Right. But we did. And she would tell me just stories about her eating, you know, that, uh, sounded a lot like the same kind of craziness I did in my drinking, you know, and, uh, it just opened my mind a lot more to these, uh, you know, I run into some people like there's a guy that won't do, there's some people that in recovery that won't do the podcast, uh, on the grounds that it's, uh, that it's against the traditions of AA that you're not, uh, uh, and they're hard line, like, you know, you can't that there's a difference between alcohol uh, and and let's say food or gambling or any other of these behaviors. And I think that, you know, my thing, my thing is, is really just rooted all in the same, same basic thing as far as the human nature goes. You know, I might be wired a little bit for alcohol where this person is wired a little bit for the adrenaline he gets when he gambles. And we have these proclivities to like a particular thing, but underneath of it all, uh, is really the same the same system.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I, you know, I, I'm glad that you saw with the compulsive eater that's because it's the same patterns. It, it was the same for me when I was addicted to sugar. Um, and, and let me just say that we, we can really thank our society for the food yeah. that they put out there because everything is processed, which has so much sugar um we've got
0: it really shouldn't be called food a lot of things things that we have around is not really food you know Uh, yes you can eat it but it's not food
1: that's like saying to somebody well you can have a glass of wine because it's not really alcohol (laughs) because it's it's diluted but it's all the same thing
0: yeah. Even the near beers and stuff, you know, would we, we, we were real cautious about that too, because it, it, it lights off the same. It fires off the same stuff in our brain and mm. it doesn't matter that it doesn't have hardly any, or maybe no alcohol in it. Uh,
1: yeah. And for some people, they don't understand that because they've not made the connection to it's all the wiring. It's all what's going on in the brain. And you know, the, those chemicals affect the brain in the same way. And somebody might put down an alcoholic, but yet here they are over here, they're closet eaters, they do it behind the scenes. That was me too. I would hide my stuff in the freezer yeah. and go into the bedroom at night and eat where nobody could see how much of it I was eating. It's all really a compulsion. And you know, I I have to say, when people get judgmental like that but there but for the grace of god go i because yeah right you just don't know we don't know where that path might lead us
0: yep yep uh what if somebody said something i'd uh, i'd rather learn from the mistakes of others than my own mistakes you know so i, I try to i definitely try to watch that and make sure i'm not uh stepping anything uh of that nature you know she would tell me about uh one of the stories that I remember real well was like ordering pizzas from different pizza places at the same night, you know, oh. and, and, we, and I, I would do things like go to different liquor stores because I didn't want to get it all in one place and have those people see, you know, think I have a problem, you know, uh, and and uh, and hiding. That's another thing of, uh, you know, if you're hiding whatever behavior it is. Uh, it's probably something that needs to be looked yeah, at if you yeah. if, if you're sneaking off and uh and doing that regardless whether if it's your content on the internet or uh things you're consuming i do believe too and and i've i've slipped on this a little bit in the last few years uh that same girl took me to a yoga class that was a combined 12-step recovery yoga thing and i fell in love with yoga and i also fell in love with a holistic lifestyle that's starting to Be more careful about the fuels I was put in in me. And I think about that today because I've backslid uh, Mm -hmm. as far as my eating habits. And uh, and I know that I completely know that this engine ran better on that fuel yeah <laughs> uh but nonetheless i'm still sitting here drinking a monster at the moment you know uh, and then the caffeine is the issue mostly but it's and it says zero sugar but I, you know i don't uh yeah, i guess if you break but down you the chemical it's the chemicals yeah yes. yeah it's the it may not have the chemical compound of sugar in it if you analyzed it but it really makes no difference to this system uh what it is and yeah, so,
1: it's the additives that they put in there that that are harmful to us because they're making up for that s- sweet taste that you want, but they've not put sugar in it.
0: Yeah, and some people would say you might be better off just doing the sugar. Yes. Uh, <laughs> than then uh, consuming these chemical cocktails, and that's really what this non-food stuff is. That would you know, uh, you can't tell me that a Hostess Twinkie is food. <laughs> <You> no, <know, that, laughs> you want something to eat, uh, and I guess it is something to eat. But uh, uh, I wouldn't. I, I like to uh, get a kick out of like uh, organic Doritos, and you know, and you see organic listed on on these on these so called foods. Like there, there's no such thing as an organic. There's no Dorito tree around that's
1: uh, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Oh, well, they. I think that there there are some regulations with um if there's one healthy ingredient in something they can say it's healthy yeah um and you really have to learn how to read labels because the majority of that is not healthy
0: yeah what what does your uh food intake look like what kind of things well, I'm are a your, vegetarian. Where are your yeah are you? i'm
1: a i'm a vegetarian mm-hmm. i eat um really plant-based foods something that's a whole food straight from the earth i eat a lot of vegetables but because i'm a vegetarian i have to make up for it in protein in other yeah, ways right which can be a bit of a challenge um but i'm vegetarian by choice not because i don't believe that we shouldn't be killing the animals that's a whole different story but um I just like that fuel that
0: works for you. It's
1: the fuel that works for me. I just don't care for meat. And so I have to look for my protein sources elsewhere. Um, And it's amazing how well you can do it as a, as a vegetarian.
0: Yeah. Where Um, is protein coming from in your diet?
1: So some of it comes from places like um, yogurt. Um, I actually have a source that has a, pure protein drink that, um, I'll often often have for breakfast that, that's loaded with protein, mm-hmm. um, beans, of course, lentils, um, quinoa, one of my favorites. Um, I don't like tofu and I don't like, uh, tempeh very much. So
0: I found that, a ch- you know, that's something as, i Uh, And that's that same gal. She, we about experimenting and doing, uh, and I can't remember, she had a term for it, exclusive, something about, you know, try certain foods and leave other ones out and see what, how you feel. And uh and you know uh, I tried the, the meatless thing for a while, but my body doesn't like that. Uh, <clears throat> now I don't you know I like to I have to be careful because I'm not sure that I know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that I can also be uh, uh, um, biased from various different things. I do hunt uh, you know and that's one of the, you know I am big time to each to each their own. You know, I mean, if you don't, if you don't like it and you don't believe in it, that's okay with me. Uh, I do a whole lot more hunting than I do actually killing mm-hmm. things. I just love, I fa- what I found is that I love to be in the outdoors and I use hunting as an excuse to do, mm-hmm. it. uh, you know, I could walk out there and do the same thing without it, but I like the hunting thing. You know, I, I like getting guys together and going out and doing that. And I like the celebration when one of my buddies gets something. Um, but, um,
1: And I I don't not eat meat because I don't believe in it. I just don't care for the taste of it.
0: So I picked up on that since you said that. And, you know, some people do. And, you know, when they're talking to me, it starts to get to be a little bit of a, uh, we might have a little point of contention philosophically, because that's what happens with us humans. Sometimes we can, I, I hope, and I try real hard not to have that in me to where I'm going to put a block in between me and you because you're doing something that I don't do or don't believe in. Uh, uh, that's a fundamental flaw in in the human race. I it say.
1: is. It is. I've <laughs> I've I've worked long and hard to not be judgmental about things. Things used to be very black and white to me, but they're they're not anymore. And I think that that's the, as we grow and if we've got a relationship with with God, especially, I think that we have to learn not to judge other people. Um, whereas I, I know that sometimes I hear the judgment against alcoholics or people, um, that are Mm -hmm. taking opioids, like how could they do that? Well, if people don't have that proclivity, they probably will never understand it, but they'll do something else. So who are we to judge?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh my sponsor always reminds me, you know, like uh, the people just to use a common term, the holier than thou folks uh, you know, let's get in their closet and see what's going yeah. on. You know, yeah. there's something there. Uh, the chances right. that there is uh as straight and narrow as they claim to be is probably a, a pr- that's, that's probably a pretty low chance. Yeah. Um, So as far as your belief in the higher power thing, you know, did you did you did you grow up in a religious I,
1: I grew up going to church. My parents were congregationalists, which is something similar to a, a Methodist church. Uh-huh. So they had a strong belief in God and I was brought up that way, but when I left home, I went way the other way. Um Not that I didn't still have a belief in God, but I certainly didn't go to church and certainly didn't follow that lifestyle. But when I came to the States with my husband, um, I met a group of women who um, definitely believed in God. And so I was brought up that really it was about works and not about a relationship with, with God. So when I came to the States, they taught me how to have a relationship with God. So that really kind of changed my life. Not to say I haven't veered off along the way, but um, I I just have, just like you, this, you know, the tapping on your shoulder, that innate sense, which I believe is God's Holy Spirit, just reminding us that um, this is right, that's not right. And as you do, before you get on the podcast and you, you pray, I do do the same with mine and I do the same in every area of my life because I've been down to the bottom and I don't want to be there anymore. And it's especially in, in this, the world, the way it is at the moment, I think many more people are clinging to God and to a hope that there's a higher power there.
0: Yeah yeah I grew up uh my mom and dad never went to church, but the, all my family did their brothers and sisters and my cousins and everybody did. Uh, and my dad's family was Catholic and my mom's family was Methodist. Uh, and and I think i I rejected that stuff uh, for shock value just for the attention when I was little, you know, there'd been a time in my life where I would have claimed I was an atheist. Uh, It wasn't true. It was just a, it was just a a attention getting thing. Um, And once I hit that bottom, um, I, ended char- I ended up getting charged. I ended up getting charged with felony for breaking in houses and stealing pain pills. Mm. That's where I, I couldn't get them anywhere else anymore. And uh, just like you said, everybody seemed to have these leftover bottles. Uh, if, I'm amazed at how much I found like that. You know, um, you know. First, I cleaned out everybody I knew. You know, by visiting yeah. their house and stole their stuff. And when all that was gone. Um, I started looking for clues. You know, I remember one time I, uh, I followed a lady home from the uh, grocery store who had an uh, elderly, they had a cast on her arm and I, uh, and I talked my way into her home,
1: mm.
0: uh, using my charms and then went to use her restroom and cleaned out her medication. And then other times, then when I actually got caught, I was actually burglarizing somebody and, um, but when I hit that bottom, <clears throat> you know, there was, uh, really nowhere else to go, but God, you know, I was being charged with six to 20 years in prison and, uh, or, you know, that was what they had on the table and, uh, and I, and people probably listen to my podcast. So I hear it over and over, but what it felt like was being inside of cardboard boxes painted black. And, uh, and I could see no light anywhere. I had mm. no idea where, where my escape route was this time. See, over the years, I've always been able to find an escape route yeah,
1: you
0: know, one way or another, where if it was being able to hire a good enough lawyer to get me out of the trouble or whatever it was, I would end up with an escape route. And I finally ended up backed into a corner where I had none. And the only one that was, I said there was a little pinhole down in the corner of the box. And that was the 12 step fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous here locally. And I'd been trying to get sober in the past and I couldn't do it, you know, or I wouldn't, whichever one it is. Uh, <clears throat> I kind of think it's a wouldn't in some level um it takes a it takes a it, it takes a great deal of devotion to follow what you're doing you know to take to decide to take this different path and if if you don't have that willingness in you <laughs> it doesn't matter what people tell you or right. how much yeah how much convincing and pleading people do um and it finally come down to that that i was either going to have to figure out you know uh I was going to have to hope that God would save me from this. And, uh, and for whatever reason I was broken enough that I had that, we call it a gift of desperation, uh, that I did that. And at the time my sponsor was not like a real, I'd gotten sober in for like five months, just going to church back years ago. Mm but it didn't have a staying power. You know, I wasn't able to, you know, after I patted myself on the back after, see, I'm not, don't have a problem. I, I went a whole five months without drinking. Uh, let's get some beer and then it rocketed off just like it did because once I put one in me, I can't, you know, it's, I don't know how many it's going to be. Uh, I could moderate at times, but at other times I couldn't. Um, and then I started developing, you know, through working these 12 steps, I started Almost like and my sponsor said once about testing my reliance on my higher power. And and at some level at the time I heard him saying I was like testing my higher power. But what well, wasn't that? It was actually seeing how much I could actually give up and surrender and let go. Well, that was the test, not what my higher power would or wouldn't do. Uh and uh and good things started happening when I started doing that. You know, and at first it looks like a coincidence, you know, mm. uh, and, th- but then enough things build up over time that this, uh, you know, from this, uh, hoping that, that this higher power has me to when it builds up that there's too much to be a coincidence and I can actually, actually then start actually relying on this power, you know, saying, you know, uh, what there's, uh, it's say this often too, if it's working, keep doing it. If it's not working, stop. And the God thing was working for me, you know, and and it, and it built a, uh, almost like I can control my destiny in a sense by surrendering. (laughs) Mm. Uh, I get supported in, in the things that I want to do that are good things. Uh, there seems to be some, you know, something, there's some things comes with that. Uh, I must be in service a lot. I have to be in service to my fellows. Uh, that seems to be one of the things that, that, that comes with this. If I'm self-centered and I'm all I'm doing is thinking about me, 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 uh, that power doesn't seem to flow into me, but when I start pouring into others. Um, I mean, not unlike, that's part of the reason I was over helping my buddy do that floor yesterday, helping somebody else do something when I put my energy into helping somebody else, um, good things swing around behind it. And it's not a cause and effect type of thing. Uh, it's really hard for me to put into words exactly how it works. And most of us, uh, that know this, uh, it's a tough thing to describe. And it's certainly a tough thing to describe to people who don't, you know, who doubt it. Um, I really don't know what my idea of God is. I don't go to church today. Um, I have a deep relationship with the power greater than myself that I call God just because the word works for me. I've been hearing it all my life. You'll hear some people that have other phrases and and say higher power all the time. Um, I think it's kind of cool that I don't have to know, you know, that's part of the mystery around it that I don't have to put, you know it's fruitless for me to put god in a box and say this is what mm-hmm. it is and another thing is is that uh you know the world, a lot of the world's problems have developed from people uh uh criticism of the other person's beliefs in that direction too you know uh, that's, right. something that, that's something yeah. that always blocked me early on was that there was these various denominations and and religious bodies that it's their way or the highway you know and i you know, And I think that makes perfect sense. It can't, all these different people can't be right. They can't be that their road is the right road and your road's the wrong road. Uh, I believe today now they actually are all right. They just got different ideas about it. And they're really all talking about the exact same source that I have been fortunate enough to latch onto or mm-hmm. uh, get in touch with.
1: I've so, changed my
0: talking to myself I, when I talk yeah. to myself uh today i don't think of me talking to myself today my dialogue is with that power
1: right so how long did you end up being in prison
0: zero wow i started working this stuff and that's some of the miracles that happened i I did end up serving a year on home incarceration uh at the time it looked over and over again what looked like the worst thing ever for me turned out to be the biggest blessing that's another dynamic some uh spiritual axiom i don't know what to call it but uh i started doing this work and uh i threw myself at the foot of that sponsor i was talking about and he started encouraging me and saying dan you you know don't give in to the fact that you're going to prison because i've seen some crazy stuff happen in this 12-step community where people have righted their trail and they didn't and that's what happened and uh and I did that 12 months or actually they let me off three months early, but uh, that was really that, that, that home incarceration was really good sobering up period because mm. it, it took all the risk factors out of my life, like a buddy's bachelor party or somebody getting married or the Super Bowl, or, you know, any other excuse I could use uh, It took all them off the table and they let me go to work. They let me take my kids to wherever they needed to be. And they let me go to, participate in my recovery, go to 12-step meetings and and things that were related to that. And uh and that builds that that's that's part of that building that reliance on this higher power that I <clears throat> it saved me, you know, and it wasn't a fluke. And more things followed up behind it. I think this podcast is one of them. Uh, you know, uh, I always I visualize it like this, that my higher power, like lazy, sticky notes around in the world for me. And and my job is to find them and execute them. Uh, and, and that's that intuition thing. You know, it's not really sticky notes, but, you know, it came in my heart to start this podcast. It came in my heart to start. I do a men's retreat that I do every spring. We're getting ready to do it in May. Um <clears throat> And the more I pour into my recovery and I had a guest on that podcast released today. Uh, We say you had to have some kind of vital spiritual experience in order to overcome these things. That's where the, that's the baseline of 12 steps. You had to have this vital spiritual experience and this guy didn't get sober in 12 steps either, but he had this vital spiritual experience one day. And, 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 it was. It really was just a sticky note that he picked up and ran with, and his involvement in service, and uh, his connection with his church, and uh, all it kind of gave him the same thing twelve steps has given me. I see so much parallel in the in the two things. I hear that from you too. That there's this underlying belief in a power greater than yourself that you've ever relied on. You also had to have some intervention by professionals you know, whatever, the, mm-hmm. whatever format mm-hmm. comes in, you know, and if a guy comes in 12 step recovery and he just can't stop, we well, send them to, you know, you, you gotta go to a detox. You gotta go get some professional help for a little bit so that you can overcome this really hard part. And then on the backside of that, you gotta have that service to follow up or that, uh, that, that connection and that community wrapped around you. Uh, that's like the insulation that prevents you from going backwards the accountability we have of one another. And then also these deep friendships I have with these people that are, you know, I almost, cause I, I didn't know I was going to have these. I didn't know these guys were going to turn into my best friends, That I'll go over to a guy's house and work for 16 hours for free on my knees and a lot of hard work. I mean, and volunteer to do it. Uh, I didn't know that was going to be part of the package, but you know, the thing I know too, that if I need some help, I'll have it. Yeah. Those guys will come. And that that relationship that I have specifically, my my A group is a men's group. And uh that's another blessing because uh females distracted me. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> uh if I'm a share in a meeting, uh it's gonna sound different if there's gals in the room than if there's not. And uh and God stuck me in a bunch of guys uh because he knew that and uh and now this community of men around me who are uh, experiencing the same thing too see i watch them and they're having the same kind of experience i'm having it may not be you know that they're doing the exact same kind of things but these blessings are pouring into their lives as a result of what we say practicing these 12 step principles and that 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 buffers my belief uh cuz i think we're all skeptics inside at some level we don't yes. want, we don't want to believe that's real right uh, and, and them guys are providing proof for me that it is real and I'm providing proof for them that it's real. And that's that whole community, you know, the 12 step, the first word in the 12 steps is we, uh, we are doing these things. I couldn't stay sober, but we seem to be able to.
1: So what was the hardest thing in the 12 step program? Which step was hardest for
0: you? The 12 steps look like a set of procedures meant to punish you, a punitive set of, of rules. Uh, that's that skepticism thing again, too, man. There is no step that's hard. There are none of them that are hard. And I suppose if you would want to say hard, hard would be for Dan when we're going out and doing amends, when I got to go face somebody that I did wrong and uh, and make that right. That's hard. That is hard, yeah. but yeah. I found, I found the fruit in it. Like, you know, the way my sponsor delivered it to me, uh, I did some easy amends first. We did easy ones, you know, so that there was no real risk of it going south. And uh, <clears throat> more than likely these people are going to forgive me. If I come, I found that with uh, humans. If you will come on bended knee with your heart and own your shit, pardon that. If you will own your stuff, uh most humans will give you the grace and, and forgive you for that and then i built up you know and over time i'm you know same thing built up a a, a pattern of successful amends let's say and that gave me more uh power more uh <clears throat> belief that the hard ones would go right to so i'd say yeah uh, we lose people in step four when they had to look at themselves that's something we don't want to do mm-hmm. Sit down and do an inventory and look at yourself. It's unbelievable that links guys will go to <clears throat> to not do that, man. Right. Uh, and then uh step nine, when you got to go out and face people and, and, and make right your wrongs. And I had to do that. You know, if I have all that back there, on my shadow behind me, I can't live free. Right, I, I got to worry about if I'm gonna bump into them at the grocery store or any other various things. I have this cloud behind me, and if I don't do that house cleaning by going out and making things right, uh, I can never truly be free again. And uh, man, the twelve steps is—I am sold on it. Like I said, we got a group going in here in Louisville that uh, we're giving the twelve steps to people who don't fit. You know, they may. What I found is a lot of people have these uh, have little pieces of these different things. They drink a little bit they eat a little bit too much. Uh, you know, they have a bunch of, but none of them are like a monster that's broke them down. Like mine broke me down and they're coming and getting help and working through this program with us. And, uh, so it's interesting to, to work with people who are not alcoholics. And, and, and if you are, if you do, and there's a lot of guys say, I just couldn't get AA. I just couldn't like it. I just could not get with it. Um, this is a back door to the same work. And, and I really I, I'm sold on on these principles that we are using. I see them happen over and over and over again. Uh, of
1: course, we, when we think about our higher power, our, we're always doing an act of, you know, will you forgive me? Because every day there's something that we do that's not along that perfect line because we're human beings. And if you can't learn. So really, the 12 step is a really in my mind, one of the most powerful aids in helping people live a right life with their higher power, because you've had to walk through that forgiveness phase, which many people find so difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is uh, to forgive myself. And then also, you know, um, <clears throat> one, one of the ways I look at it you know, is that when we were little kids, we were perfect, right? When we were born, we could. When we were hungry, we told people we express our feelings freely. Right. Uh, but we begin to get like hushed and our spirit, our very essence uh, starts getting stepped on. You know, we get boot prints in it over time. And before long, I'm beat down, so to speak, to a, I'm nowhere near what I was when I was uh, that kid. And, and you know, and the fact of the matter is, is that bad things happen to people and that shouldn't. But little girls are molested. Little boys are molested. There's just horrible stuff that happens like that. And uh, and then, you know, that might be one of the reasons why I'm staying inebriated all the time, because I don't want to think about that. This helps me forget and keep that on the back burner all the time. Uh, and the 12 steps helps, helps us process that. And, uh, you know, well, there's that thing, hurt people, hurt people. You know, so I got hurt sometime in my past and then later on I'm hurting somebody else. So somehow or another, I got to come to grips with the hurt that was put upon me. And I got to come to grips with the hurt that I've done, the harm that I've caused and reconcile that stuff. And I just think the 12 steps is just a beautiful path that actually does both of those things. And it's not to say you don't need some extra help too. I'm not saying it is a magic field that, you know, you may need some therapy too from a professional. You may need some detox from a professional. You, you, you might need some, some stuff to, to supplement that. But uh yeah, I think it, it, it does a really good job of, uh, of, uh, helping us reconcile the, um, Really, it's just, I, I'm. I've come to believe it's just life. Did you have some bad stuff happen to you when you were little? At some point, somebody hurt you somewhere. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know anybody that's escaping that.
1: Yeah, you know, and it I might had be some different really, levels of it. Yeah, I had some bad rejection when I was. I mean, hurts in you know going to school. I mean, let's Pierce. face it. Now it's even worse. Piers. But but then heavy rejection when I was in my
0: late teens. And that's something that's so hard to get over. It is. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. And I don't, <clears throat> I don't know. I almost see like life. My, Buddha says life is suffering, right? That's one of the noble things. Uh, and where I see that is, is, is like, it's my job. I know I'm going to get hurt. My job is to rise above that and then go back and tell people how I did it help others do it. Cause it's going to happen to them too. It's like the hero's journey thing from Joseph Campbell that, uh, and I just can come to terms with that, that, you know, that's just what life is. We get, we have things happen to us. We do things we're not proud of. And hopefully if you're lucky, if you're, if you're fortunate, you get to reconcile all that and be a better person and help and, and go back and help other people show them the path too.
1: Right. That's a big thing when you can help people take your own experiences and and help other people through it because keeping it inside, what was the point of it? You really need to share those wins with people and point them in the right direction. Everybody's journey obviously is different, but you're pointing them in the direction and giving them hope because you overcame this. This is how you did it. it might be different for them, but yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. You got, it. we say we have to keep, we have to give it away to keep it. If I want yeah. to, that's the 12 step step 12 is that, is that helping other people, you know? And, uh, you know, I find it, uh, God has given me a lot of people to sponsor, you know, keeps on sending me people and, and I have that flow in my life all the time. And it really is the high point of my life. It is, it's there's really nothing that there's nothing that fulfills me more than helping another alcoholic up out of the hole because they're in shambles. They're getting ready. They're losing their job or already have, they're getting divorced or already have been, or, you know, their, their life is crumbling and to help them get back up. And especially when things heal up, you know, like marriage, you know, uh, a little kid doesn't have to grow up with an alcoholic father. You know, I got one guy who's got sober when his first son was six months old mm-hmm. and, uh, and i'm getting chills right now i'll tear up as talk about it but uh to to be a tool in the master's hands is the way i look at it and come in and uh be able to you know all, all i all i do is tell them what i did i just walk them through the 12 steps and the magic happens they develop that relationship uh 12 step recovery where i come from encourages you to develop a a relationship with a power greater than you and that's all good and well but i think it's even better that we don't reject each other for what you choose you right
1: know? right uh,
0: when we when we talk in that language we're all talking the same and i've come to think about that too like if somebody comes out like i don't know I'll run into somebody not too long ago and they said uh we were to got to talking and he looked at me and said, so Jesus Christ is your Lord and savior too. And it's really not, that's not really what I follow, but you know, that's the language he's speaking. And I know what he's saying. And, and I said, yeah, rather than, to get into, a, cause I know he's, he's saying the same thing I'm saying right here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's just using different words. It just happened a little differently for him and, uh, to be open and, and, uh, those barrier, those walls come down and th- those walls are so harmful. Block me from too much stuff.
1: Yeah. And they're really still just as prolific as they were.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, cultivated this, it's another funny thing too, you know, the world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket at some level. Uh, it can, world. if you, if you're looking, If you're watching certain stuff, but I don't watch TV and I don't listen to the radio and, uh, and I meet people like you who are doing good, who are out to create positivity in the world and to help other people. And so I've, I kind of reject that. That's like a, that's like a movie over there that's happening. And I know some of it's real. I know it's what's going on in Ukraine is happening. Um, the COVID pandemic happened and is still continuing to have its repercussions. I know that's going on, but I feel insulated from all of it. Uh, and I, and, and every week I sit down with somebody like you that's in their corner of the world, in their space mm-hmm. that are trying to make a difference for people to be better versions of themselves Right. and, uh, and that's happening, but that don't get news that doesn't get on the news, you know, uh, or at least I don't, I don't watch the news, so I'm not sure. But uh, from my understanding and people who die, who the same way that fuel, that food that you're eating uh, has an impact on this operating system. Uh, the mental diet I get
1: yes.
0: does as well. And if all I do is sit in front of the TV and watch the news, uh, it's going to have, it's it's going to be like eating Twinkies all day long. <laughs> it's going to have a similar kind of effect and so i've cultivated this thing where i have a i have a better world to live in you know (laughs) and i like it and you're welcome to come join me too you know i'm not having this better world that says you know you're excluded uh uh, i can I, i can help you find what i found and I keep on my circles are getting bigger and I'm meeting more and more people and it's giving me a better outlook on the world. And, and, uh, the world could be a scary place. I, you have kids. You said, yes. How are they adults now?
1: They're adults. I've got four grandchildren.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that's where that's kind of where the rubber meets the road in some of this, uh, reliance on God and what our what our kids and grandkids are growing up to see, you know, what the world's going to look like for them. Uh, I have to believe everything's going to be okay. Otherwise it's just not good for my spiritual diet. I have a 16 year old daughter and an 18 year old son that are doing each are doing quite a few things. I'm not happy about, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, and they, and they choose to live with their mother. I got my, my, Disease. You said disease earlier. Disease. Uh, I also like to look at that saying. Disease. Disease. Uh, I lost my marriage with that. You know, I, I, I didn't lose it. I gave it away. Uh, but they choose to live with their mom because they're able to get away with what they're doing mm-hmm. over there. And uh and it's really with them being 18 and really with them both being 16 and 18, I know that I really have no power anyway. Really, that's this powerless concept of the 12 steps is that you know, uh, uh all I can be is a road sign and uh in a uh, and maybe some guardrails once in a while, but I, I can't make them stay in the middle of the road. Uh they have they're gonna have their journey where they're gonna have to figure things out for themselves, you know, and I'll help. But you know, we all we each do that, we each walk our path and some of them, you know, it it takes us all different directions Mm. 4 grandchildren. That's cool. How are they local? Are they closer? Do you see them?
1: Well, they're all local. One of them is up at the university of Florida, but I still see them Yeah, they all live within about a five mile radius of me, which is to me. So, so incredibly. What a blessing. Yes, it is, Um, because, you know, we were so far away from my parents and my husband's parents while we were in the military that having my family here is so important.
0: Yeah, Uh, I take a little risk saying this, but, uh, you know, I believe it goes to show who the person you are, right? And I'm not going to say that people whose kids move far away necessarily weren't. That's not what I mean. But uh, I'm real family-oriented, too, man, I, I like it. You know, my kids and my ex-wife live down the road three miles. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad lives with me. Uh, you know, everybody that's still alive usually is just still close by. Families have gotten smaller in my thing where, you know, I had cousins everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this generation I'm in maybe had two or none. Uh, so the, it it, it kind of collapsed in, in that. But, yeah, to have your uh, – I think it does say something to have them uh still still nearby.
1: Yeah.
0: It's and still it's married amazing. Yep. How long?
1: This year will be fifty years.
0: Wow, congratulations. That's another thing too. Yeah. You know that uh how cool is that? That sounds like uh you know the operating system you've been using is working pretty dang well
1: yeah uh, that's for sure because it's not because it's easy because it's not it's um, not easy no it's not
0: yep yep um, it
1: really takes a lot of commitment
0: yep discipline
1: uh, and, and it's the same yes commitment and discipline which really is trying to get well trying to get healthy we hate that word discipline but really so much of it it is discipline because when those thoughts come in your mind of gosh i'd love a drink or gosh i'd love to take a pill you have to discipline yourself to say no
0: yep yep uh, that's a that's when a rubber meets a road you know it's if i'm sitting in a room by myself man it is it's 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 up to me uh, uh sometimes when guys are having trouble getting sober in the beginning you know it, it gets down to that it's like you know mm-hmm. you just you know and while I got my hand in your tools call me i'll talk you through it but you have to have the discipline to call yeah. <laughs> and uh get to a meeting uh do these things so you we we try to put tools in a toolbox but when 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 the rubber reaches the road it is me and deciding if i'm going to continue to live this way or if i'm going to make a change and, and do things differently
1: right same in the business that i work in because so many people know that they should be healthy many people want to be healthy many people want to lose weight but you've got to take the first step and decide that you're going to make it work for you i mean you can have all that knowledge but if you're not putting it to use then it's no good
0: yeah yeah that's a you i hear this things that are right in line with the 12-step principles you know you said step one right there uh yeah we have to admit we have a problem and be willing to do something about it yeah and uh there's a line in the big book alcoholics too. it says self and self-knowledge availed us nothing you know i can know everything doesn't make any difference i got to put it into practice and uh didn't make any difference what i know really uh it's what i do
1: mm-hmm. It's not, not just walking the talking the talk it's walking the walk
0: exactly yeah so uh why not you give me a little tell me what do you do
1: so i actually work with women um women who might be overweight they might be going through menopause and I don't know if you've been around many, many menopausal women, but they yeah. feel like they're losing their mind. They've got this change in their body. They're moody, um, no energy. So I, I help women to put a plan into place so that they can be at optimal health so that they can enjoy their life and um, have some good principles like the 12 steps teach in life and it's basically you know 12 pillars of health and it starts with the mind always starts with the mind like you're saying so i coach in groups i coach one-on-one with people depends what they want and of course if it's one-on-one it's a little more evolved into what is it that's your specific problem whereas if i'm doing a group program i'll do a general overview of this is how you live a healthy lifestyle and i i teach them but then i encourage them i make them accountable i give them the guides the tools that they need to get from point a to point b
0: yeah so you have these the, in the group setting is it like a mutual support group where they are yes yes uh, it somebody is. somebody put somebody said sometime that uh msg they threw that acronym at me and I had to stop. like, you know, cause I think of the stuff they put in the food uh, uh. and they, they said they were talking about a mutual support group. And again, those bells are going off. Well, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what that, what yeah. that is. So then we help each other and we support each other. And when we're in a weak spot, I got some people I can call uh, and, you know, cause uh, you don't know, have a sponsor, but he's not available 24 seven. But out of this 20 guys, I got somebody's available. Right. And, uh, you know, and I hand William one of the tools we use is, you know, I introduce you to these 20 guys and you're brand new. And they really are. They're going to love it if you call them. We always think we're bothering other people. Uh, but no, you get that group going. And um, do you actually have 12 pillars? Is that the program thing? Is that, It
1: basically uh, is 12 pillars.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's 12. Uh, I noticed that as a typical thing, and I don't know mm-hmm. if it's because of the 12 steps and or not, but uh, 12 seems to be uh, a number that pops Magic. into my life a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, did you do it just locally, or do you do, are you? No, I, I
1: do it all virtually. It's yeah. all
0: virtual, everything.
1: I, uh, I used it, to, happen, yeah. I used to see people in person but of course the pandemic happened the pandemic everything closed down so it's just you can reach more people virtually we, we certainly can and there are still not there's still a group of people even though Florida's pretty much open that don't like to meet in a group setting mm-hmm. yeah. outside so I've kept it pretty much virtual
0: yeah did you do that before the pandemic or was no, that a result I, of?
1: that's a result of I did it both ways before the pandemic, but, um, since the pandemic, um, uh, pretty much e- even, I teach a class at the university of South Florida every semester. And, uh, that of course was in the classroom and it went to virtually as well. And I love it because I was having to drive to class and get everything ready. And so doing it online, um, actually i've reached more people that way i've had more people attend and uh, and they're older people um 50 and above and i love working with them because they're they've now got the mindset that they they see the big picture and they see how important it is to live that healthy lifestyle
0: yeah, there's a maturation that happens someplace mm-hmm. up in. I noticed a lot of guys come in, Alcoholics Anonymous, in their 40s. You know, they're they're plateauing. They're getting to that where, you know, they're looking at, I guess, their mortality at some level. You know, what am I going to do the rest of my life? It's The right. clock is ticking. Right. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, you and I probably wouldn't be talking, you know, that, like the... It's interesting the fruits have come out of the pandemic, you know, and I always do try to look at the bright side today rather than, you know, the old me didn't do that. Uh, but, you know, you and I probably may not have connected had that not had not, that not happened. You right. know, I'm not out looking for people. But majority of my this is a fourth year of my podcast. So the first two years or so, you know, most everybody came to my I have a little wood shop in the backyard where I do. I'm a handyman. I'm a woodworker. That's what I do to to support myself. And uh, and I have a little table out there and I set up a little podcast studio in the woodshop. And for a couple of years, everybody came to me and I didn't even, you know, I was in the corporate America for a long time. We did video conferencing and stuff, but I didn't put it together. That's something I could actually do. And now the whole world is really just almost went to this medium to do almost everything Um, that bothered, you know, there's still something to say about the human connection of me sitting in a room with you though because if i could have my druthers i would have you sitting across the other side of the table from me where i can feel you and 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 you can connect pretty good through this but there's there's still uh there's some filter in between me and you that doesn't allow and and we've started getting back together uh uh in our 12-step groups too and, and it's optional because of now we have a hybrid meeting where we have it on zoom and in person. So we got a room full of people and we got a big TV screen and people can log on and, and we have some people who are, uh, homebound and they haven't been able to go to meetings in a while. And now Ooh. they can go, you know, yeah. they, they can attend and yeah. that, you know, what a blessing for them that they can finally get back and connected and, and stay connected uh, like that. So, you know, everybody's learned, not everybody, so many people have learned they don't need an office anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, a, 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 corporate office a building someplace uh it's been really good for my handyman business because everybody's home uh, yeah. It's like a, yeah hey i can come by and fix that for you when are you are around oh i work from home you can come by anytime all right that makes uh making appointments a whole lot easier so yeah the uh i think all therapeutic kind of stuff has went virtual Ever You know, all the marriage counseling and the other um, kind of stuff I know, not, yeah, you know, and it's too Florida. big to say, that's yeah. too big a broad generalization to say yeah. all, because they're not all, but the vast majority has seemed to. Did you say what? Not in Florida? Well,
1: I have a friend who's a psychologist and she continued through the pandemic. Oh, did she? There was still always some people that came into her oh. office. Some of it was done telemed, but still... 50 50, 50 50 maybe but now no. she's probably 90 percent in person and has been probably for the last six or seven months at least because yeah. as i say we opened up in florida our governor kind of demasked us quite a while ago mm-hmm. it, you know if you want to use a mask and going into a medical facility you have to but um yeah we've been pretty open so there's been a lot more in-person meetings than maybe in some states
0: yeah even though i don't watch the news you still can't shelter yourself from all of it so i've heard some of the stuff about florida you know and uh the interesting thing is that temp people's individual temperament on where you're at with that you know that's really showing i mean there is the scale goes from one end to the other uh on each person's temperament as it as it comes to to the whole covid thing
1: yeah uh, we we see people driving around on their own in a car with yeah. a mask on and i'm still thinking there's nobody but you in there why have you got a mask on
0: but yeah i actually i i have posed that question you know sometimes you look like you're some kind of you know how dare you begin to question me but uh why do you do that and his the one person told me is because they don't want to touch the mask they've been out in public someplace uh-huh. and and it's safer to just leave it in place until you get to where you can dispose of it properly and and wash your hands and get yourself clean which good enough reason for me
1: yeah, if yeah. that's why I'm, you want to do that yeah I thought okay of that
0: yeah i haven't either i have my, a, my
1: daughter said to me um a couple of months ago she says i suppose you're one of those people that has a mask on in the car and i looked and i'm like no i don't
0: <laughs> it, it's interesting when somebody that close to you uh, yeah. brings something to you You you'd think "Well, why what makes you think that about me well uh, i
1: think it's be, for her it's because we have, had been so careful with the social distancing and Some of the other regulations, but I have to say, other than Easter two years ago, where my family got on a Zoom call so we could see one another, we have continued to meet throughout this whole thing. We've continued to hug. We've continued that touch that we needed and all of us have stayed safe.
0: Yep. That's really the same thing with me and my family and my 12-step group. We really, we stopped being able to meet, but we would still get together. You know, I, I I could be accused of uh, not playing it safe enough easily. But you know, it's another thing that comes with this thing. There's a line in a big book too that's and it's it's in reference to our use and or, or being in the around alcohol that says we're safe and protected. Uh and I feel a safe and protected. I feel safe and protected as I walk through life. And um I get a little funny about it admitting this, but I feel I, I you know, I ask God, don't give me that. And I really think he won't. And I've moved around and I haven't been touched with it. And nobody in my perimeter has had it. Uh, we've had a few people get it in, uh, um, in our 12 steps circle, but most of those guys are young and healthy and it really didn't do much to them. Uh, my dad's sister did die about a month ago from it though, but she had a whole bunch of health stuff. She had a, uh, I always had to put this in there. It's a non alcohol related liver transplant, a long time ago. I mean, like she outlived the liver transplant, the normal lifetime of that. <clears throat> but when she got this, you know, she's already got a compromised immune system and all that. And then and heck, it was like a week. Um, and she was 81. So it wasn't like she. she So I've had I have. But my point there is, I haven't been non-affected by it, but I do really feel like I move around the world with a zone of protection over me. Doesn't mean I can do dumb stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some things seem to be mindset. I don't. I don't know. I do believe it's at some level my thought life makes up my real life. And not like the easy one is if, I, if I'm going to some event, be it a party or a, a whatever kind of event, if I go into it thinking it's going to suck, it will. <laughs> if I walk into the place thinking I want to have a good time, I will. And I look at that just in everywhere, everything I do. If I think I'm going to get sick, I've noticed that some of the people that are most afraid of it. Are the ones that got it mm. uh I, I, I won't claim to like have any real knowledge there but it sure seems like uh uh our thought life drives our reality I
1: thought uh, life plays a huge role in it yes i believe
0: i have no professional you know no i have no kind of like grounds to make statements that are concrete. I barely graduated high school. And uh, uh, sometimes I'm talking about these things firing off in your head. That's all stuff that people have taught me. I've just (laughs) picked it up. Uh, uh, I'm careful that uh, that I. that's another place is that uh, it's another mindset. Uh, I don't I don't dig in and believe that I know. It just doesn't do very well for me. I had to keep an open mind that maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, <clears throat> there's old 12-step story about a guy whose sponsor told him to take a lipstick and write on his mirror in his bathroom in the morning, Keith, you're wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> and, uh, and he had to talk, tell a story about, like, waking up. This tends to be something. Uh, you know, maybe it's because of the detox of the night right? You haven't drank since you went to bed uh, yeah. and you wake up in the morning with a lot of goofy thinking, uh, and, you know, uh, waking up thinking all kinds of bad thoughts and he's walking the bathroom and say, Keith, you're wrong. <laughs> and he's, oh. But yeah, open-mindedness willingness. Those are things that, uh, have, uh, and that's straight up 12 step stuff for me. And is there, uh, any way people, what, what would people need to do if they were, uh, interested in contacting you and yeah
1: I have a website it's holistic health and the health and wellness is all written out together but holistic-healthandwellness.com is the best place to see me I have a Facebook group for women on um obviously on Facebook called the energized healthy women's club And they could search and find that among all the usual socials, but most of it's just under Lynn Wadsworth.
0: Did you say energized, healthy? What was the Facebook name?
1: Energized, healthy women's club.
0: So that's kind of what I mean a minute ago when I was saying these people, there's these places where help is available. It really is. Uh, and uh, that's part of my mission is to try to uncover and spread the word about all these people who are willing, because that's another thing that when you're in the depths of whatever it is in the grips of whatever you've got, you feel so alone and isolated, you know, that you got, you're the only person that feels like this. And, and you're scared to go ask for help and you're, you don't know where it is. And, uh, fact is it's their help is available for you there's all yeah. kinds of amazing people out there willing to stick out their hand and grab you and help you walk through whatever it is that you got going on
1: yeah
0: that's true uh yeah. i know that that's the way i felt and that's one of the great things about you know that's that's the mutual support group concept is we all got the same problem uh our little 12-step spiritual recovery is finding that that not necessary that's not necessary uh AA would say hardline AA would say it's alcoholism and nothing else. You know, if you do drugs, don't come here. Uh, and, and, uh, like I said, it's 12 step spiritual recovery thing is really pretty cool because it's getting to the mirror thing where when I watch you, when I listen and I listen to you, get vulnerable about it. I can see that in me too. You know, uh, I can uncover things that I'm that when you, when you speak, uh, I can, it's like the original me too thing. Mm-hmm. Saying, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I feel like that too. And didn't even really, wasn't yeah. even, wasn't even conscious of it. Well, I certainly appreciate your time today. I like oh. to, I've enjoyed getting to know you. I have enjoyed always, always pick up some stuff whenever I'm, uh, doing these things too. You know, it's, they're all, uh, I walk into it, uh, with a mind to learn. Mm -hmm. and uh and that's another thing when when i do that i always learn something yeah and i think it's going to be fun at that party it always is uh (laughs) well i I
1: really appreciate you having me on here this is definitely a very cool podcast
0: thank you i i I tell people i well i hope we have some fun you know uh, it's not a uh, uh like i said if i was to meet you at the coffee shop and we was just going to sit down and talk for a little bit, learn a little bit about each other, what we do. And uh, <laughs> I hope that's the, the vibe that we have here.
1: Yeah. yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And I will, uh, I, I, I always am, because when it's working, I keep doing it. And when it's not, I stop. <laughs> I like to have a few things I do at the end of this. That's one of them. It's been added on and it's been added on because the other two keep working uh got this in a i got this little piece of knowledge there's all kinds of cliches and lines and stuff in 12-step recovery and uh this one says if you're not having a blast in your recovery it's your own damn fault, because it is available to you it really is it's you and uh a man one time told me when i was trying to uh uh talking circles around doing what I needed to do, you know, the little dance we do when we're, when we're asking for help, but we're not really not receptive, you know, but that, no, I can't do that. And then, well, no, I'm different. Um, the guy finally got a little perturbed with me and he, and he looked right at me, he said, Dan, the thing is you must participate in your own recovery. And that's another one of the little simple things to begin to put into practice. So my closing line here is, is that I'm thinking, I thank everybody uh, out there listening uh, to allow Lynn and me here to uh, have a chance to participate in our recoveries today. Thank you and peace out.